that. Luke chapter 1, would you turn there if you would, please? We're going to continue our study tonight. Luke chapter 1. What are some things we've learned already from the book of Luke chapter 1 in our study so far? What comes to your mind? What is something that stands out to you that we have already looked at? Raise your hand if you think of something that comes to your mind real quickly. Anybody? Yes, sir, Brother John. Yeah, keep on praying. The Bible tells this uh, uh, that uh, Gabriel came and stood on the right side of the altar and approached Zacharias and said, Thy prayer is heard. And he probably think, What prayer? He goes, I haven't prayed that prayer in a long time. And, uh, but yet he, can, he prayed it and God delayed, but he answered that prayer and brought him a son, John the Baptist. Anybody else have a thought or so, Brother Jason? Yeah, isn't that a great thought? Zacharias and Elizabeth were both known to be righteous in the sight of God. Boy, the synergy when two people serving God together and on the same page spiritually, a lot more can be accomplished for the things of God. I love that point. That's a great point right there. Brother Danny, he stole it, didn't he? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we see that Luke used his spiritual gift. What gift we might think that Luke had? What kind of, what kind of gift do you think he had of the seven gifts in Romans chapter 12? Anybody have a thought or so which one? Yes, sir, Jason? Yeah, it's a gift of teaching. He put things in, in print, and great men of God and ladies of God are gifted with that ability to break down things and, and to, uh, to explain and put and document those, of, those folks who are great in, in writing commentaries from the scriptures oftentimes are very gifted teachers. And then he wrote to a fellow named Theophilus. We don't have as much concrete evidence of this, but many people believe that Theophilus was a wealthy Christian in the Roman Empire who potentially financed Luke to care for Paul and to write things that he had learned. And he gave, he said, now I have, a, I have a perfect knowledge of all things from the very beginning. After I interviewed eyewitnesses and people in particular, he said, I want to write to you. And he wrote two books of the Bible, not only the book of Luke, but what else, what other book of the Bible do you write? Acts. And they're the longest two books of our New Testament. I think Revelation may be in the, uh, the third longest, but uh, certainly very detailed, very organized. Uh, Luke gives a lot of credence and, and a lot of medical advice somewhat, or not, advi uh, not advice, but medical details because of his, his job as a physician. Anybody else have a thought or two that comes to your mind in the book of Luke? Yes, ma'am, Maria? Yes, and Mary used, uh, Mary was known for several things, but number one, she was probably young. Uh, she was young. She was young and yet very spiritual. And she remembered the Lord in the days of her youth. And that's certainly something else we can learn from Mary. She was pure. She was somebody who was devoted to purity. She was a virgin. Very important to understand that. She knew what it was like to have the presence of God. She said, the Lord is with you. Isn't that wonderful? I don't think there's anything better a Christian can have than knowing the presence of God upon their life. As a matter of fact, it's one of my favorite compliments. If anyone ever compliments the church, I love it. Uh, whenever someone says, I've never felt such love in one building before, I've heard that a lot of times. That's a great compliment. But I think my favorite compliment of any church family, including ours, would be that I felt the presence of God there. I felt like God was there. And uh, it's a beautiful testimony. And I want that on my life, and I want that on your life as well. Let's look, if we can, please, Luke chapter number 1. And uh, we will um, identify a few things. We'll begin in verse number 26, if we can. The Bible says this, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from 
God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. And of course, Nazareth would be a place on the other side of the tracks, not known for prestige, not known for refinement. This was up in the northern part of Galilee where the country bumpkins were, and it was another level of country bumpkin in, uh, in Nazareth compared to Capernaum or compared to some of the Bethsaida and other places there. Look, if you would please, at verse 27. To a virgin, this is where the, a Gabriel comes. Gabriel's only mentioned four times in our Bible, two times in Luke chapter 1, one time to Zacharias, another time to Mary, and then in the book of Daniel, chapters number 8 and 9, there you'll see that he appears to Daniel. But to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, and uh, the house of David, and the, and the virgin's name was Mary. So just to, just to clarify something, we would commonly call in our culture engaged. Uh, we had three of our young couples get engaged over the weekend. And now one of them has a symbol of their, uh, their, their upcoming union, their wedding. Um, and, uh, but the, the truth of the matter is, if, if one of them felt like, you know what, this is not God's will for our life, they could back out and there would not be any legal uh, problems there. If you were espoused, it was though that's when you signed your document. That's when you were legally married. So to, to break that would be uh, a divorce because the actual legal part took place at the espousal. And then a year later, usually, or sometime in that year's time, that's why uh, you oftentimes see that the bridegroom doesn't tell the bride uh, when he's coming. So she's always to be ready, have her lamps, her lamp trimmed and oil in her lamps and ready to, to receive. And that's one of the things we see with the Lord Jesus. When we get saved, uh, Jesus, he, we're a spouse to him, okay? But we don't live with him yet. We don't live with him yet. That's coming later. So it's in the same way, that's why he's called, uh, he's called our groom, we're called his bride. The moment you get saved, as far as God's concerned, you're going to be one day married to God through his son Jesus Christ, if you will. So we're his eternal uh, bride. But we don't live with him Yet, in, in real life, he, we have his spirit within us, the Holy Spirit of God, but we're waiting for him to come. When is he going to come? Do you know? I hope you don't know. And if you know, just don't tell the rest of us. How about that? The truth of the matter is we don't know when he's coming back. Just like the, like, uh, like the, the bride oftentimes did not know when her groom was coming to pick her up. He was going and he would have a, usually uh, inside of a year as was the time normally that they would, they would come. And of course, he would want to build a house usually for his bride and he would prepare things for them. Just like Jesus, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again and receive you unto myself. So now, so this is a much more serious thing than just being engaged. They have already had a ceremony in which they have been married, but they have not come together. And the Bible is very clear on that for obvious reasons. Tonight we'll talk a little bit about that, the, the virgin birth. They had not come together, and God does a really good job making sure that anyone who reads the Bible understands that. And many, many uh, liberal theologians believe that uh, the virgin birth is just a myth. It's not true. It's not literal. But if you don't have a literal virgin birth, virgin birth uh, you don't have a sinless Savior, and you got issues. 
And it starts out with the virgin birth. And if you believe in the virgin birth and you believe in the resurrection, those are two major miraculous things that you have to have to have salvation. Let's continue on if we can, please. Verse number 28, and the Bible says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. And uh, the Lord is with thee. And that's a beautiful thing about Mary is that she attracted and she experienced the presence of God. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was bothered by what he said and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this must be. Aren't you glad she kept this in her mind? You know, the one thing we know about Mary that all of us, but especially ladies and men as well, we need to learn to ponder things. You want to talk about some things you can admire about Mary. Oh, she was pure. That's a great thing. Uh, that she was a pure girl. That she was young at the time, and yet she was very uh, praise-filled. We'll find that in her prayer of praise on Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to talking about that. But one thing we find out about Mary is that she pondered things in her heart. She, she thought through things. And many of us, we don't think. We're like the amuse. We just know things, Right? The Bible tells of the psalmist, while I was musing, while I was thinking, boy, the fire burned. And even with this situation, she didn't blurt out, what are you doing here? Why are you saying that? No, she cast in her mind. She started thinking, who is talking to me and why would they give me such a greeting? And he continues on with, uh, with his greeting. Let's continue, if we can, please, in the Bible, verse number 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast her mind what manner of salutation should be. Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, don't be afraid, Mary. And fear not is found, they say, a hundred times in the Bible. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we have that admonition. Don't be afraid, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. She was favored by the Lord. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Aren't you glad for that name? I'm glad for the name G. I'm glad it's an easy name. Even children, one and two years old, can say Jesus. It's a powerful name. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're safe. I'm glad for it. I mean, it's a saving name. The apostle said in Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Nobody gets saved without the name of Jesus. It's a name that we use in prayer. He said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. It's a, it's a, it, it gives an, it's a prayer of access. Occasionally someone will, um, and sometimes I, I say it. I say, listen, let's see if we can get this done. And someone will say, hey, pastor wants to get this done. And sometimes I don't want something done. They still say, pastor said he wants it done. And just to get, they throw my name around, if you will. And, you know, sometimes they've done that. But, you know, the name of Jesus gives access and gives power. And he said, all power is given unto me. And uh, he, he said, I'm going I'm to give power through my name. And I'm grateful for that wonderful name. So that so Jesus uh, and John both were named. Their parents didn't pick the name. They were given names, and one to, to Mary here. And then also Joseph will find out that his name is going to be Jesus. Verse 32, and uh, he shall be great. And um, he shall be called the son of the highest. So that's... Uh, Real quickly, he, you, you can say oh, that he's not going to be just any other uh, baby, or any other child. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there shall be, so the eternality of Jesus. 
And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And once again, it's interesting that God uses the intimate act between a man and his wife. He uses the word. He doesn't use a crass word. He uses the word know. To know or have to know. And that's a, how, how can this happen? I don't know a man. I love the, I love, and I think all of us need to get a revival of being careful we're not crass with our words. I've been guilty of that. I don't want to be that way. And we ought to be very careful how we frame things and how we say things and not think we're, we're you know, some drunken sailor someplace. But we're careful with how we use terminologies. I'm so glad for the appropriateness. Uh, of the Lord in, in, in his word. Let's continue if we can, please. The Bible tells us in verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And then the angel answered and said unto her, I want you to read the rest of this little statement with me, would you please? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Therefore also this holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called. This is what the angel said, and it's a beautiful statement. It says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the, whole, of the highest shall overshadow thee. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also is conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then read verse 37 with me, if you would please. For with God... And God and Mary said, "Behold, the handmaid of the Lord; it uh, be it unto me according to thy word." And the angel departed from her. Once you notice just a couple things real quickly about this. And first of all, I, I love the fact that number one, she accepted what God had brought to her. Her life would change after this confrontation with the messenger of God. Now her life would revolve around the person of Jesus. Same way with Joseph. By the way, Jesus should change our life, don't you think? And meeting him, it means I'm, I'm going to go where he wants me to go. If he's the groom, you know, oftentimes I'll tell a bride and a husband or a, a, a fiancé at a premarital counseling, the marriage is a lot about the bride. Uh, the wedding's a lot about the bride, but the marriage is a lot about the husband. <laughs> Not completely, but, he, but he's, he's going to be set in the trajectory, and he's got a responsibility to dress and keep a garden, to take care of you, but also to do a job for God, you need to follow along and learn to, to complete him and to be that companion during that, that, uh, that journey, what God has called your husband to do. That's a general, in general pra- practice. However, I, I think here, whenever we get saved, uh, Jesus needs to be the lead and we need to follow along with him. And Mary did that. She accepted. She said, be unto me according to thy word. Then I love the fact that she found a friend to a godly friend to help her through her journey. And she went to Elizabeth. We'll learn about that a little bit on Sunday. But if you would, please, I want us to, to stop tonight and just take a few minutes. Then the 14 minutes we have left, I want to talk to you about the virgin birth. Here's my suggestion. I think it'd be good for you to maybe put in the flyleaf of your Bible or in your margin a few verses to consider about the virgin birth of Christ. Uh, if you were to ask, so, you know, uh, what, where in the Bible to talk about the virgin birth? I want you to maybe make some notes tonight. It may be not be uh, totally um, thorough, but I want to be encouraging to you. And I want you to have a little bit of knowledge about what to do. If someone said to me, oh, what is about the virgin birth? I'd like for you to know something about that. Let's begin in where God begins. The first place in the Bible he speaks about the virgin birth is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. 
What happens in Genesis 1 is God creates the heavens and the earth, including the man and the woman. And God saw all they did. Chapter 2, he tells what he did on day number 7, and he tells what he did on day number 6 when he created man and woman. Chapter 3, what happens in chapter 3? What's the general thought there? The fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned, and God confronts them and puts them out of the garden. But uh, notice what he said as he, as he punished the serpent, or Satan, if you would please, chapter 3, and we'll look at verse number 15, and read it with me, would you please? And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He said, he said I'm going to put enmity between thy seed, and, 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 and that's the seed of Satan, and the woman, and it would be her seed. And once again, that's the first prophetic word in the Scripture regarding that, uh, that uh, the, the, uh, the Messiah would be the seed of a woman. I think uh, maybe Eve even thought when she got Cain that he might have been the Messiah. I don't know for sure, but look, if you would please, at chapter number 4. And Adam knew Eve. Once again, you see God's wisdom. And his, his wife, and she conceived and bare a Cain, and said, I have gotten what? A man from the Lord. She might have thought that he might be the Messiah because she heard the pronunciation that it would be the seed of a woman. Just for sake of time, let's go to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters in it. How many books are there in the Bible? And you'll see that Isaiah kind of picks up in the same, has a lot of the same themes. But let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, would you please? And here's where this prophesied. This is for 500 years before uh, Jesus comes to the earth. But let's look at chapter 7 and read verse number 14 with me, if you would please. Everybody, therefore the Lord himself shall give you and bear a son, and you shall call his name. Very good. The Bible says that the Lord will give you a sign. Now, when you see the word sign in the Bible, it means a miracle, okay? Okay. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians that especially the Jewish nations required they needed a sign. You might remember a very famous Jew named Nicodemus. He said, we know that you're a teacher come from God. How did he know that he was really from God? Because no man can do these miracles without doing this except God be with him. And the Jews especially, you'll find that any time you see tongues in the Bible, you'll find Jews were present. Tongues was a miracle. It would be like me trying to speak Japanese. I don't know one word of Japanese. If I started speaking Japanese tonight, it would be a miracle. <laughs> okay? And so in the same in the early church, if someone could speak a language they didn't know, it was a miracle. And that's why people said, wow. Then they said, how? And then Peter got to preach on the day of Pentecost. Whenever there was a miracle, one of the reasons why did Jesus heal and even Peter, James, and John, whenever he went to the temple to pray in Acts chapter number 3, and there was a man laying at the gate called Beautiful and begging alms. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And whose power was it that healed the man? But the Bible is very careful to tell us it was Peter's hand that picked him up. And I think you see that whenever God is winning people to Christ, there's two parties involved. There's what God does and there's what we do. But he picked him up, and he, he leaping, praising God. And from that miracle, there was a message. Miracles preceded messages, especially with the Jewish people. 
And it was, it was set up, people don't go to heaven. Everyone who got healed by Jesus, whether it be a blind man or a, lepros, a man of leprosy or a man of palsy, that didn't save them. Even the widow's woman of Nain that brought back to life, that guy later died. Guess what happened to Lazarus? <laughs> he died the second time. Yeah, he didn't die. And, and it, that didn't give him eternal life because a miracle was held up to him. The miracle was primarily to get an audience to listen to what the Word of God was going to say. Same way at Pentecost, when the people were speaking, they said, how can these people, how can I hear them in my own tongue? What was that purpose? And it was a purpose to get the attention so people could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, of course, 3,000 people were saved at Pentecost. At the healing of that man, more than 5,000 people heard the gospel and responded. So things happened, but it was a, it was a, it was a gift. He said, now, this will be a sign to you that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. He'll call his name what? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So Jesus was coming to do that. So we find that is prophetic there. By the way, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm grateful for the King James Version of the Bible. Next week, Brother Andrew Steers, I'll be in Argentina speaking. Brother Andrew Steers, I've asked him to speak for us next Wednesday night. He's written a, a very great book on on the King James Version of the Bible. I think it's going to be a great blessing to us, but he's going to speak for a few minutes on that next week. But, um, but there are versions of the Bible that says here that, that um, this will be assigned to you that a young woman would conceive. Well, you can just figure this out. A young woman and a virgin are not always the same. And uh, there is importance in words. Let's look at chapter 9, verse number 6, would you please? Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, and let's read out loud together. This is a great verse to read out loud. Boys and girls, if you've got your Bible, read it out loud with your mom and dad right with you. Here we go. For unto us a child is unto us, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Very good. And we find here this is another prophetic, uh, a prophetic uh, verse talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who will he be? He'll be the Son of God, and that's, a, uh, excuse me, he'll be a child is born, that is his human part, and he was 100% God, and he was 100% man in the same way, and, and that needed to happen. And he needed to be virgin born. Let's see if we can, please, for sake of time, let's go to Luke chapter number 1, and just remind you in verse number 35, Luke 1, verse 35, and the angel answered and said unto Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also this holy thing shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. I, some of you might remember Larry King. Do you remember Larry King? He was a CNN talk show host for years. He had oftentimes would have Jerry Falwell, or he'd have Billy Graham on there, and he would interview a lot of speakers. He was Jewish. He is, I, I'm assuming he's still alive. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he's Jewish. But um, one fellow asked him one day, who, you've done a lot of interviews. He did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews. Is there anybody you'd like to interview? And he said, I would like to interview Jesus Christ. He says, okay, well, what would you ask him? He said, I'd need to know, I'd ask him if he's really virgin born. Because in my opinion, that would define history. I knew the answer to that. And, you know, I think he's heard the gospel many times. I hope he'll accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was smart. He's a smart man. <laughs> because the, 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 the core, if you don't have a virgin birth, you don't have a sinless Savior. Let's look at a couple of the verses real quickly together. Now, can you go with me to, to uh, Matthew chapter 1? 
That'll go back there. We're in Luke to Matthew chapter 1. This is the other part of the Christmas story recorded to us by the inspiration of God by Matthew. We'll look at verse number 16, or verse, excuse me, verse 16. And uh, Joseph, uh, excuse me, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Once again, God makes it very clear that, uh, that uh, Jacob beget Joseph, but he was a husband of Mary, and of whom, that's speaking of a female uh, article pointing to the antecedent is, uh, is Mary there. Then look at verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, that when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came what? Together, I'd underline that if I were you, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So this obviously was not a product of their union. If you would please turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. You're doing good, Galatians chapter 4. This is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Galatia that have got uh, duped by false teachers and Judaizers. And he is teaching them uh, some very important principles about Christ, his redemption, and his, uh, his satisfaction of his death, burial, and resurrection. But look, if you would please, at chapter 4, verse number 4, and let's read it together. You ready? Uh, For when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a, made under the law. Made of a what? Made of a woman under the law. Once again, a fulfillment of the fact that it was, uh, it was Mary and not a man. And I want to make that clear to you. Let's go real quickly to John chapter 1, verse number 14. This is a classic verse on the deity of Christ. John chapter number 1. And uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word's with God, the Word was God. Same as in the beginning with God. Some of you have memorized that. But if you will look, to the, the, it says Jesus is the Word. And he, he made everything that is. He, and, of course, that would go with Colossians chapter number 1. But if you would please look at verse number 14 and read it with me, if you would, please. And the word was made and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. So we find here the word was made what? Okay. So a couple of things you need to understand is that, is that Jesus was always was. He is older than his mother in the same age of his father. <laughs> okay? Uh, he, he always was. He, he became a human being uh, at, at birth in Bethlehem. He continues, if I believe, has that human body. It's a glorified body as we speak. The Bible tells us in verse number, uh, verse number 18 of, of chapter 1 of John. Look at it, if you would please. You'll see here the Bible says, No man hath seen God, God the Father, at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So what does God look like? You can only look at one person. Can you guys see the Spirit of God tonight? No. Can you see God the Father? No. And said, so No man's ever seen God the Father at any time, but he's revealed to us through the person of the Jesus Christ. He is the image of God. And, of course, Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3 tells us that. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 tells us he's the image of God. Uh, and then we find it here that he, in, in, in John chapter 1, verse number 18. I need to hasten, but I want to give you just a couple thoughts real quickly, if I can, 
uh, regarding the, uh, the conception of the Lord, but also that God became flesh. And I kind of shared that with you. I'd like to read this with you. I think it'd be good if you're writing things down. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Let's turn there if you please, and let's be diligent about that. Our time is just about up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you for working hard with me this evening in the study. Verse number 45. The Bible says, and so it was written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So he's going to contrast Adam and Jesus. Verse number, verse number 45, How be it, that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. That's Adam was a natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. That's Adam, earthly and sinful like you and I. The second man is the Lord from where? Heaven. So just another reference to the deity of Christ and his perfectness. With that in mind, I wanted just to, to share with you a couple thoughts real quickly. Why is the virgin birth so important? Why is it so important that Jesus became a man? And of course, you, you first of all, is to reveal God to us. Um, even in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, you'll see that that Jesus suffered on the cross, giving us an example that we should be willing to suffer too. You know, Brother Pratt tonight shared with us about some of our brothers and sisters in India who have suffered greatly to come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, Monday night there was a funeral for Brother Steve Terrell, who was, his life was taken there in Iraq as a U.S. aid worker, but really more uh, for as a Christian. And he was a missionary telling folks about Christ. You see him every week around and had a passion to see people come to know the Lord as their Savior. Knew that, that he was going to have some trouble potentially. And certainly his life was given for that. Well, we find that that's the case. And the Bible says one of the reasons we can suffer is because we have an example of someone who suffered. Do we not? Who is that? Jesus. He, lived, he, he revealed God to us. Another thing, too, he provides an example. And then he's a proficient a sacrifice. I want you to look at this real quick, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 10. Why is a virgin birth um, important? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. Brother Steve Kolar, would you look up uh, uh, Romans 5, 12, if you would please, and stand and read that. Romans 5, verse number 12. He's going to read it for us nice and loud. We're all going to read Hebrews chapter number 10. I want you to get this. These are some great verses. But listen to this, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Some of you know it by heart, but I want you to be familiar with it. Listen to it, if you would, please. Uh -huh. Thank you, Brother Kolar. Wherefore, as by one man, who is that one man? Adam. Adam's sin. So then death passed upon all men, for all have sin. Okay, and... Well, I, you've heard me say this, and I'll probably say it Sunday night when we invite people to come to hear the Christmas story. I'll, I'll probably go to the illustration that sin, we sin by nature and we sin by choice. Um, Linda and I have nine children. We never have to teach those kids how to get mad, lose their temper. We have to tell them how to disobey. We have to tell them how to obey. We don't have to be, teach them, listen, here's how you be unthankful. We'll work on that tomorrow. No. It becomes very natural to them. We don't have to teach them how to cuss how to, to want wrong things. It just kind of comes natural. You know why? Because they got me in them. 
You know why I got it? No one taught me that either. You know why I have that nature? Because I got my dad, Richard Lynn Wilkerson, in me. And he had John Douglas Wilkerson in him. And he had his dad in him, and we got Adam in us. Every one of us have a human father. And because we have a human father, we have a nature to sin. Sin, death, passed upon all men, for all have sin. And that's why Jesus could not have had a human father. Because if he had a human father, if Joseph or any other man would have been his father, then uh, we would have a sinning man. And, without, and if, he didn't have, if he had sin, he couldn't die for my sin. He couldn't die just like you couldn't die for somebody else's. He had to be sinless. The Bible is very clear that he shed his own blood on the cross. And what was different about that blood than our blood? That blood wasn't tainted with Adam's DNA. Mine is. Yours is. He, without sin, became sin for us. They knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 10, real quickly, and let's just read it out loud together. By the which will... Through the offering of the body of who? How often? Isn't that wonderful? So the body of Jesus, was the body of Jesus significant? Yes. Was his blood significant? Yes. And it was because he was virgin born. Without the virgin birth, we don't have a Savior. And then lastly, I think about this is, another thing is important to understand that he's the Son of God because all judgment is going to be given over to Jesus. Uh, John chapter 5 reminds us of that, verse 22 and 27. He's a proper judge. He reveals God to us. He provides us an example. He's a proficient sacrifice, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 10. And he is a proper judge uh, because he was without sin. He's innocent, we're guilty, and he'll judge the world as we, as we know it. And they will also in the judgment seat of Christ and for those of us who are saved and the great white throne judgment for those who are not saved. The judgment, the, uh, the, the, the virgin birth of Christ. I hope it's a helpful study for you. I hope you'll make some notes. Think about it. I think you'll find it to be very helpful. Study to show thyself unto God. Work when need not to be ashamed. Right, divine, the word of truth. Always be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that lieth in you. And I think we don't, have to, we don't know all the Bible, but it's very good that we would study some things. And say, okay, now that, that's what I can explain to someone who asks me. And I think that, that uh, God expects us to do that.